All right, welcome back. FF Dynasty 260 proudly presents episode seven of the Redraft Podcast. This week, John, Seth, and I are recapping week three of the 2018 NFL season. I'm Pat Loftus. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Pat. Seth, say hello. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, welcome back, guys. Uh, Hopefully everybody had a great week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FF at home dad, because I am the at home dad, John, why don't you give them your Twitter handle? I'm John McGlynn. My dolphins are three and oh, and my Twitter handle is at JF McGlynn. Oh, that's not the, the highlight is John within the first minute talking about his dolphins. That's all he's <laughs> talked about. Uh, is his dolphins. Yes, I, would, I, would, I would like to say the sun shines on a dog's butt some days, you know, but it, it's three weeks in a row now. So it's a dolphin's blowhole now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're starting this show. Oh, man. John, yeah, John's not going to be too happy when we get down to our propping and dropping because uh, I see quite a few dolphins on this list. So uh-huh. we'll get we'll get to that part later. Seth, uh, give the people a quick rundown of where they can possibly win some free gear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You guys got to get a hold of this signed DeAndre Hopkins jersey that FFD260 is giving away for free. You can follow us on the Twitter at FFD260. All you have to do is retweet the tweet that has, retweet the tweet that has the jersey. Um, That's one way for you to get it. Uh, Another way is to go on giveaways. Uh, on the website, it's ffdynasty260.com slash giveaways. You can go on there and uh, get a, get an opportunity to win it. It's beautiful. It's signed. It's by our really good friends over at Pristine Auction on Twitter, at Pristine Auction. Um, they do everything great there, so check them out. Yeah, I know uh, we're getting close to the giveaway day, so everybody hop on Twitter, follow us, follow Pristine Auction. Uh Enter as many times as you can for that uh, signed Hopkins jersey. The big so giveaway. It is, oh, yeah. yeah we, we try to give those you know jerseys away quite a bit, and this is one of the bigger ones. So hop on there, give us a follow. Uh, we'll start this this recap show like we've started the last couple, and we'll talk uh, the bad stuff first. We'll run through some injuries real quick. Um, we got a couple of carryovers from the previous week. Uh, Leonard Fournette still dealing with a hamstring injury. He's week to week. Uh, Dalvin Cook was a surprise, um, I guess, in terms of him not playing. He's dealing with a sore hamstring. He is actually unlikely to play in week five. So keep an eye on that situation. Make sure you're ready to fire up all the uh, Latavius Murray. Um, well, that didn't sure. work out. That didn't work out well for everybody this week. So I yeah, <laughs> no, that's uh, yeah. We'll talk. Oh boy, what a yeah, tough day well, to be a Vikings fan. Yeah, and they got an early game this week, so it's uh, Thursday night. So. That's uh, bad timing. Yeah, I mean, maybe they just planned so well for this upcoming Thursday night that they forgot that they were playing on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> it's real easy to to overlook the Bills. Yeah, and, well, and actually, the, the man the Bills did that without Lashawn McCoy. Uh, still got the broken ribs, so he's still week to week. I know Seth has been all aboard the the Marcus Murphy hype train. He, he let me down. He let me down yeah. a little bit. He only he only had one. Uh, what was it? One catch there. Um, but uh, I still have faith. He 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 looked like the best runner uh, for a while in Buffalo. I I expect him hopefully to get a little bit more run, and if not, 
like I said, he was a deep, a deep kind of stash, a deep play. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But I mean, I th- he's one good game away from overtaking Ivory as the primary backup. So uh, absolutely, it, it, Ivory's, could- Ivory's not a he, he. He doesn't he doesn't win anything. You no. know what I mean? And the, you know the Bills are at Green Bay this week, so that could be a game to watch in terms of uh, you know who could be the guy after LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I like Murphy just because he has age on his side, and Ivory really hasn't ever been that good. Yeah, but I, we'll, I love Murphy, yes. Yeah, we, we'll get into that a little bit later. I know uh, Seth wants to chat a little bit about that Buffalo-Green Bay game. So uh, the last kind of carryover injury was Jay Ajayi, and he has been practicing this week, and he is expected to play. But it, it's one of those that it was a back injury, so you got to be careful. He takes one, you know, plays one series, takes one bad hit, and he's done for the game. So – Keep an eye on the situation. Make sure you're watching to see if he's practicing and make sure you have uh, plenty of Corey Clement or Wendell Smallwood fired up and ready to go just in case. Surprisingly Smallwood, yeah. that's I expected Clement to take the lead, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I, I had way too many shares of Corey Clement going this weekend, and it did not end well for me. And, and real quick, Pat, before you jump into the new injuries, with Leonard Fournette, it looked like he was going to play pretty much all the way up until the morning of – uh, the game. So this may be something where hopefully he comes back this week and is able to play. Um, he's kind of one of those guys where I wanted to do as a prop up because you've been kind of waiting for him to come back for your team because you drafted him pretty early. Um, but I felt like that was just a little too easy because it's kind of like propping up, you know, Todd Gurley. He's kind of <laughs> yeah. already up there. Right. 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 Yeah. Week three. Big week for injuries. A lot of big names on this. And we'll start with the season ender for Jimmy Garoppolo in the torn ACL. Um, Pretty much shuts down the season in San Fran based off of the guys they're talking about bringing in to replace Jimmy G. Uh, They're going to roll out C.J. Bethard, and then they've kind of brought in a who's who and nobodies. So, uh, tough luck, San Fran. See you in 2019. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, if, if I were a season ticket holder, I'd be asking for a refund. Brutal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that that whole that whole offense has taken hit after hit in terms of the in terms of injuries. Uh, yeah, it's going to be real kind of difficult to watch them make str- just struggle through 2018 unless CJ Bethard had some kind has some kind of magic. Uh, or make some kind of deal with the devil. I just don't. I just don't see anything positive coming out of out of San Francisco now. Yeah, at all. The only benefit, the only positive spin I can probably put on this is uh, Bethard loves to target his running backs. So if you have shares of Brieta or Morris, uh, they still might be worth a, a flex play or a flyer every week. Um, maybe not right away. So they George Kittle. Yep, and well, George, George Kittle was his teammate back in the day, so he then he has a little connection with him also. Don't 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 be a spoiler now, John. Don't be a spoiler. We're gonna be talking. We're gonna be talking about him later. All right. right. <laughs> we'll move over to Cleveland. Tyrod Taylor uh, suffered a concussion, and we'll leave it. At, he's week to week, but the Browns named Mayfield the starter, and we'll get into that a little bit later. That's a whole different topic. Um, Moving on to wide receivers, A.J. Green tweaked his groin. Uh, he's week to week, but likely will play in week four. Uh, 
Evan Ingram. <laughs> real quick with AJ Green, it looked like one of those things where he kind of like tweaked it a little bit and then tried to play through it and then tweaked it more. Because if you watch the game, he kind of like had a moment where he, he went to the sideline, came back in, and then went to like went out again. And it, it looked like it was it was one of those things where if he had just taken some time, it probably wouldn't be as bad as it is right now. Um, even though it looks like he's going to try and play through it. But it's another one of those injuries where he might feel fine for a series and then he tweaks it again and he's done for the week. So yeah. keep a close eye on his status. Um, yeah, tough, tough break. Cause he played well. Um, Evan Ingram, the dreaded sprained MCL. Yeah. If you go back to our, uh, conversation about Doug Baldwin yep. for a quick refresher, Seth, I'll let you take over here because you had a great explanation and a great rundown of that injury and kind of what it entails for uh, for Baldwin and actually for Evan Ingram. Yeah, so with Baldwin, he had a grade two MCL sprain, but even a sprain is the same as a tear because what you're talking about there is literally the ligaments um, are actually they're they're actually tearing. It's the grade is just the um, amount of tear that is there. Uh, I know I drop bars, uh, but it's with something like uh, Doug Baldwin. He had a grade two one, which is like it's a pretty significant tear. It's not as bad as it could be, but it's also you know, obviously nothing because Baldwin's now going might come back week four, but it's still looking a little rocky. Um, like I was saying with Baldwin, I have a lot of PT friends, uh, physical therapists, uh, and athletic trainers, they work with, um, you know, sports players all the time. And something like this is typically like three to six weeks of recovery time, which is really sad because it looked like the Giants actually started putting together somewhat of an offense this past week. Yeah, I'm still I'm, – I'm torn with the Giants because they have all this talent – but they don't have talent at the quarterback position, or or the it's offensive just, line. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a tough. It's, I mean, it's a tough situation because th- they could be really good. Didn't they bench Eric Flowers for like a dude they got from like the hot dog concession stand, and he actually like played halfway decent, except for that play where JJ Watt literally just was like, "No, you step over here," and threw him down the whole offensive line. And then just proceeded to destroy Eli Manning in about 1.5 seconds. Eric, Eric, Eric Flowers is a he's a revolving door. So really, anything is better than Eric Flowers at tackle or guard. So let's let's pump the brakes here. I mean, I'm not saying you or I could step in and do better, but we might be able to. Maybe not against JJ. <laughs> any, um, any hope for Red Ellison to come in and do anything for the Giants? You know he. No. He did put up a decent week, but there's just so many other options there. I've, I feel yeah. like, you know, the tight end position, don't get me wrong, Ingram's a great player, and there's a, there's a reason he is, you know, he is not easily replaceable. But, you know, without him, you're still looking at Beckham, Shepard, Shepard. and Barkley. Yeah, and so, I, was, I was just going to say, Rhett Ellison is more the blocking tight end. And I guess you could again. We're making comparisons to Seattle here. You can make comparisons to like Will Disley being the blocking tight end there. Yeah. The difference is there's no one in Seattle left except yeah. for Tyler Lockett. Yeah. In Maybe in New York, I mean, 
Eli, I forgot what the the number was. I think he had the second fastest release time um, in in the entire league last week because he was literally just like, oh, my God, they're coming. And was just doing quick dumps. So I don't think you're going to get that because you have Saquon that's right there that's going to eat all of those up. And you have Shepard that's quick, shifty, makes all those quick moves out of the slot. And Odell that, you know, he – you hit him on a screen on a I've, I've said it so many times a seven yard slant and he takes it to the house which we're still waiting for him to do this year but those are all things that you can do and you can do with eli manning having the ball in his hands for you know three and a half seconds and less yeah, and yeah. that's that's going to be the giants game moving forward or at least it should be until they get somebody that can block for him yeah, I expect a lot of offensive line picks in the 2019 draft. <laughs> yes. No, Giants are too good for that. And by <laughs> good, I'm being completely sarcastic. Yeah. All right, next guy up, AP. Yeah, yeah, rounding out the injuries. AP, sprained ankle. They're on a bye this week, so he has plenty of time to recover. Maybe we'll talk about him next week uh, or leading into week five. And then Rex Burke had week to week with a neck injury. Uh, monitor the situation. A lot of, a lot of running backs in New England. Uh, Michelle didn't look too bad. James White was his usual self. Um, monitor the situation though, because you know Burkhead is probably still the lead back uh, when he's healthy. Even when he's not healthy, he's probably still the lead back in New England. Yeah, it's, I'd say now's a good time if you haven't already, or if he's available to stash Sony Michelle. Uh, if there's still you know people concerned about the whole new england backfield which is obviously a concern but he was the the um the leader in attempts last week so he's got that going for him yeah he didn't do much with his all his workload then i burkhead was my guy this year he was my my sleeper of the year i thought he was going to be he was going to carry the patriots backfield with the with the with the uh the goal line takes the goal line carries the uh all the possession time but then James White showed some flash. I thought he was going to take over, and then they hand the ball. They, I just don't. I don't get the whole. I don't get where they're going. And it, this is an every year situation, so it's no surprise. But yeah, no one really does in New England. You roll on the dice every week. Yeah, I mean, Sony Michelle was on the field for forty-eight percent of snaps last week. Um, the the highest running back was James White at fifty-two percent. Burke had only had fifteen. Yeah, he got hurt. Um, but still, like Sony Michelle is increasing, whereas the other guys are decreasing. So, yeah, just a couple fumbles and it'll be over. It'll be back to the James White show again. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah, yeah. I just hope that doesn't happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, so lots of on top of the the big injuries, some more, some good news coming out of, of week three. We got to see a couple of rookies make their debut, and actually both these guys have been named the starter for uh, week four. We'll start in Cleveland. We'll start with Baker Mayfield coming in, leading the the Cleveland Browns to a win. Um, Been named the starter for week four. So the question here that I'm going to pose to you guys uh, is who gets the biggest bump in Cleveland moving forward? I'll go last. So, John, who do you think? Who, who's going to be the biggest uh, – who's getting the biggest bump in Cleveland in terms of fantasy value? There's some weapons here, but Antonio Callaway was uh, – with Tyrod in the back, 
he had Callaway open on bombs twice and just missed him, underthrew him, overthrew him, missed him. I, I think if they allow Baker to, to take the reins off and throw down field, I think Callaway is going to be the guy. He, he, uh, he's got so much potential, so much speed, and he, he gets open. So that's my, that's my pick to click. Seth, what do you think? Um, well, just to build off of what John was saying, Antonio Callaway, I think he had four or five deep shots um, in that game. Three of them with um, – three or four of them with Tyrod and one more with Baker. The one that he got from Baker literally hit him in the hands, and he just didn't hang on to it. Uh, the other ones from Tyrod, one was looked like a blatant pass interference to me. Uh, in the end zone, and the other two were literally off by like a yard. So, uh, yeah, I really like the the Callaway one. Honestly, I think the whole Cleveland team gets a bit of a bump here. I think Baker could literally, as long as Hugh doesn't find a way to mess this up, because I just I don't trust him as a coach. I feel that the Browns have enough talent around that a. If Baker is the leader that everyone says he can be, then he raises everyone's level of play. And my my biggest takeaway was he's throwing darts. Like he had a he had a what was it? The seam pass to Njoku was like a twenty five yard throw that li- it, literally it did not go any higher than its release point. He zipped it in from like 20, 25 yards away, and that was a flat line straight to, um, straight to. I think it was in Joku. So, with that type of velocity, he's not giving defenders time to be able to close in on things, and he can sling it. So, I, I think he, I think he helps everybody out. I can see him honestly finishing the year as a like ten to fifteen, like the ten to fifteen quarterback, which means he's going to have weeks where. He's going to do great things, and he's going to be a QB one for you. And he's going to have other weeks where he's going to, you know, he didn't throw any turnovers this, uh, throw any interceptions this past week because he only played a half. Who knows what that turns into when he plays a full game against a decent defense? Um, yeah, he's yeah. overcome. He's overcome adversity everywhere he's been. So I don't doubt he could do the same thing in the NFL. He he has the the right attitude, the right mentality, the right work ethic. Um, I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry. And when, you know, Landry saw 15 targets in that game Thursday night, nine of those came from Baker Mayfield. I, I think there's definitely a, a connection there. And I, I want to give some credit here to, uh, to Scott Barrett at Scott Barrett DFB. Um, Baker Mayfield targets Jarvis Landry uh, once every 2.9 routes. So they're, they're going to feed Landry the ball. So I think the relationship's already there. Um, and again, we're talking PPR leagues here, so I think Landry's going to see the biggest bump in uh, in Cleveland. Um, so we'll move out to Arizona now. Another rookie quarterback making his uh, debut late in the game, Josh Rosen. Uh, same question here. In Arizona, who gets the biggest bump now that Rosen is under center in week four and beyond? Uh, I'll take this one again. Well, I think it's Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, just a safety blanket. Um, he caught a big pass for a touchdown in the game, wide open. I don't know if that was a covered situation, but a couple targets. He had a couple other. He had a, he had a one miss. I thought he could have caught, but a couple other targets during the game. Um, if he can go for 
a touchdown or even, you know, maybe five targets again, five, six targets with 40, 50 yards. In a PPR, that's you're looking for about anywhere from five to eight points from your tight end is a considered a pretty decent week. So um, I'll take that every week. Yeah, and I was actually torn between Ricky Seals-Jones and, and Christian Kirk. And, uh, John, I'm glad you took Ricky Seals-Jones because uh, it makes it real easy for me to uh, to go with Christian Kirk here. Um, so in that in that game, uh, you know, granted Rosen only played about the last five minutes, but Christian Kirk led the team in targets, he led the team in receptions, and he led the team in yards. So all those things to me – mixed with a, a rookie quarterback who he's built a good relationship with already. Um, you know, those things moving forward, I like a lot. And again, this was the same, the same tweet from Scott Barrett at Scott Barrett, D, Scott Barrett DFB. Uh, Josh Rosen targets Christian Kirk every 3.7 routes. So that was preseason and regular season. So he's, he's looking to, to Kirk to get him the ball. So I like Kirk moving forward. Uh, Seth, how about you? I'm not sure lost, if that's there right now or not. Yeah, but, uh, we lost we lost I, Seth for a minute. That's all right. He'll be back. So um, I do know that I, I know that um, the Josh Rosen and Christian Kirk had the whole offseason and all up until now on the second team working together. So they might have a pretty good connection right now. Yeah. So all right, Seth, I see that you're back. I try to kick it over to you, but the, the question here, John likes Ricky Seals Jones. I like Christian Kirk. Who do you like moving forward in Arizona now that Rosen's under center? Yeah. Um Honestly, I like all the defenses playing against Arizona more now. <laughs> all <laughs> like, right. If you want, if you watch the film, he throws that interception late in the game. I mean, they put him in a terrible situation. It wasn't very good, but he kind of like walked over, like, eh, whatevs. And yeah, that was kind of his attitude in college too. Just that kind of eh, attitude. And he did that. I mean, that you know, that knock that was that followed him. So. Did you see the tweet saying that the, the head coach would probably was just hazing him by putting him in there against the Bears defense? His first <laughs> <out there? laughs> it seemed like it. Like, oh, hey, by fun. the way, here's one of the best defensive players. Like, honestly, he's working his way. Like, Khalil Mack should be defensive MVP if we're giving it away, like, already. And it's like, hey, oh, by I, the way, here you go. Go, go ahead. Get in there. Go, yeah. go up against this beast fun. of nature. It's only going to get easier from here, kid. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, my thing is, I don't think isn't really going to get that much easier. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're not going to be facing Khalil Mack every week. Um, but still, that Arizona team, their their offense is just still bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, their offense was bad with Sam Bradford. Their offense will still be bad with Josh Rosen. Uh, I I can see him. You know, I can see him giving a little bump to. RSJ, I can see him giving a little bump to Kirk, but whereas like Baker Mayfield, I see that whole offense getting better with him as quarterback. I just don't see that with Rosen here. I think there's just too many kind of holes. And also with the coaching staff, like they haven't figured out that they have David Johnson, who is an amazing running back. It, what was it? Third and one, fourth and one. Oh, uh, third, there's they, third and two. Yeah, third and third two. And that's two, what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came out and said they pulled him off the field because he missed a key block that, yeah. that cost them on a, the, the previous play. So they pulled David Johnson off the field because he missed a block. So, yeah. yeah. And, and on third and two, 
Chase Edmonds got blown up, partly because the offensive line there isn't that great either. Yeah. And now you're punting the ball. So yeah. I can see that being a very uh, – just a like a, a very like – oh, you went from vanilla to vanilla-er. <laughs> it, yeah. Not a fan. So we may as well just talk about Josh Allen as well since we're talking about rookie quarterbacks. Um, personally – I wasn't the big Josh Allen fan coming out of Wyoming and after the draft. Um, I will gladly admit when I'm wrong. Um, he played a good game. Actually played a great game. Um, you know, did exactly what he needed to do. Took care of the ball when he needed to. Made some plays with his feet. Um, I still don't like any fantasy options in Buffalo. I feel like they had too many guys, Calvin Benjamin, drop a lot of passes. Um yeah, he has all the skills and all the potential. I don't know, guys. Prove me wrong. No, to play without McCoy and to play with you know the backup, uh, the you know pretty much the team they have for him to go there with running his legs pretty much made the game. Him running, hurdling the defenders for first downs and and getting the first downs when they, when they really needed them. Uh, and plus, they started their average starting position was at the forty yard line because the defense all of a sudden came out of nowhere and kept them in the game. So they got a lot of they got handed pretty much a, uh, a you know. Just go forty yards, get a touchdown, get a field goal or a touchdown, and they made the best of it. So, they, so I don't, something I heard, and I, I need confirmation on, and I, I apologize, but I was a little little tied up recently. Uh, one of my friends, when we were watching the when we were watching the games, he said that um, the coach Sean McDermott took over defensive play calling. From halftime, right, right after Vontae uh, Vontae Davis retired, he was like, "All right, something's going wrong here. I'm taking over play calling." Sean McDermott took it over, and their defense has actually been productive so far. Like, have you guys heard any of this? Or I didn't no. hear that, but but no. productive is one thing, and but they look fantastic against against Minnesota. Yeah, and and I think we we can all agree that Minnesota probably was just like, oh, Buffalo, yeah, no, we'll we'll beat that game. Who are we playing Thursday night? Okay, the Rams. We got to get set up for them. Yeah, um, right. But I, I called it. That was a trap game. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that the Bills. I mean, not they they have the what the biggest upset since what ninety five or something like that. So. You know they came ready to play. They came ready to to do work. I really, I mean, I'm I'm split on who I want to prop up. Josh Allen is one of them because I think he's he did enough this week to look really good. I think they go to Green Bay, a lackluster defense. Give him a second opportunity to look really good. And then if you're in a league that trades quarterbacks, you try and sell him for as much as you can, <laughs> hoping that somebody's like, damn it, I had a chance at Mahomes, and then I had a chance at Fitzpatrick, and I'm I'm not going to give up this chance with Josh Allen, and you can walk away going, thanks, buddy. Yeah. I think well, the buck stops here for that. Green Bay is defense, I think, is the, is the, the play of the week this week. It, it, it very well could be. Yeah, I agree, John. All right, last little bit of news. The Steelers came out and said they are open to trading Le'Veon Bell. And the question uh, for us today is, where should he go for the biggest fantasy impact? 
And I'll start because I, I, I'm torn between Atlanta and Houston. I feel like both of those teams could use, especially Houston, could use a running back like Lev Bell. Uh, strictly looking at this as a, a short-term rental, um, he goes to either of those teams. I think if he goes to Atlanta, that puts them back in the NFC Championship game. If he goes to Houston, that makes them a serious Super Bowl contender with uh, adding that piece to Watson and Hopkins and Fuller and that defense. Houston's really only missing a running back. So, uh, John, what do you, where do you think he will go or should go for the, for the biggest fantasy impact for the rest of the year? I thought that when the plane landed in Tampa Bay, he was not going back to Pittsburgh. I thought he was staying in Tampa Bay forever. Um, I thought that trade was going to be done between Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh during some time this weekend. There was buzz about it. Tampa Bay needs a running back. Peyton Barber's not really cutting the mustard. Uh, they, their depth's kind of bad. I, I, Tampa Bay's – when the draft came around this year, I thought for sure that, that – I was hoping that Barkley would fall down to Tampa Bay and they'd have a running back. They seem to have every other piece to the puzzle except the running back right now, and that's the perfect fit for me. Can't argue with that. My thing is I, I just really don't think that the Steelers are going to actually trade him because whoever they trade him to has to pick up the franchise tag and he's not going to be great this – like he's probably not going to be as great no matter where he goes right now. Um, and I think the Steelers, they, they only get back what maybe – like people are talking about maybe like a third – um, for somebody of Le'Veon Bell's uh, ability, that that just seems so wrong to me. That so, so, so the question for you, Seth, Pittsburgh doesn't trade him. Bell sits out as long as he possibly can, somewhere around week 10, week 11, he finally comes back. What's to stop him from pulling an Earl Thomas and just sitting out practice and basically not playing this year? Uh, I mean, a couple things. There's a couple things that where if Pittsburgh can still – not a franchise tag. It's called a uh, – what's the name of that tag? It, they can still tag him next year if he doesn't play this year. So Right, but after – so this is where it gets tricky because after the third franchise tag, I, the player can go to his union rep and file a formal grievance or complaint uh, because it's not in the, the best interest. You know, It shows that the team is not making a, – a, a, a putting an effort forward to actually sign him to a contract. So then the question is, does this year actually count as the franchise tag? Would next year, if they tag him, be the third year? So it would be a transition tag is what it's called. There he, it is. Did he, get the, he get the top salary of the top five players in the NFL, which I don't think the Steelers do that either. But he, he's got to come back by week 13. He's got to play the, five, um, the four games this season, the five games this season, and then he can avoid the tag. So he can, he can literally go on the field and then say he had a hamstring hurt, but he came back to practice even though he didn't play. Yeah. And, and play like a sitting duck or play possum the rest of the season and get off his franchise tag. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like where would you like him to go is literally just the, that that's just like one of those funnest, like fun questions to be like, cause it's like, Oh, I'd love to see him play with, I mean, I would hate to see him play with Brady, but I think there could be huge fantasy potential there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotta make sense too. And that's, you know, yeah, I, I like, that's what I mean, like it. I, I'm sure you would love for him to go to Detroit and, you know. It was real hard for me not to put him how to, yeah. how, to do, how to do How to do work. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many, op, like, just options of, like, just running back needy teams. But as I'm listening to 
you know, I listened to a lot of a lot of the other people in the industry kind of talking about this. And a lot of people, it, it's weird to me the way they talk about it because they talk about teams and they're like, oh, the Colts. Well, the Colts aren't in win now mode. And it's like, but you also have them, you, you also have him going to uh, what was what were some of the other popular ones? The, the Jets. Jets. That, yeah, that's the one that I hear all the time. The Jets. Oh, well, it's I'm, also the, the Jets. The Jets have the win now mode. The Jets have the financial flexibility to sign him to basically whatever he wants. What they if can, the what if the Browns with all that cap money made a trade for Hyde or Johnson or both of them or you know some kind of crazy trade like that? Because they have a quarterback, they have all the receivers in the world, they have and they have a tight end, and they have tons of cap money. Oh, I feel like we could do this all day. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where he ends up if it's not Pittsburgh. Yeah, Let's I, leave it I think that. I think if we're if we're talking fantasy and we're giving fantasy advice here, the advice is if you have Le'Veon Bell, you're not going to do anything with him. And no, he, you're strictly holding him. He's just going to burn a roster spot, and you're going to be pissed off that you drafted him. And uh, unfortunately, it's it's one of those sucky parts yeah. of fantasy and. It is what it is because if you try and if you try and sell him here, you're gonna get back less than pennies on the dollar. And if he comes back, may, maybe he does get traded. Maybe he does, and it turns out great, and he becomes amazing. You sell him now, you get no part of that, and then you're gonna be kicking yourself for that. Yeah. So yeah. this this is one of those catch twenty twos, damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situations. And right. It's, it's the joy of playing fantasy football. That's right. All right. Well, now that we've spent about 35 minutes talking about injuries and uh, three, pit, three bits of news, let's get into the meat of the show here. We've got our, our top performers and guys that we're propping and dropping uh, moving forward. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Uh, anyone surprised to see Drew Brees at the top of the list porting up uh, 40.5 points? I'm yeah, not. you know who's surprised about that? All those people in the preseason that were saying that, no, this is the new Saints. The right. Saints, they're a running team now. Yeah. And Say that to Alvin Kamara and his 15 catches. Breeze is the anomaly here. Yeah. His efficiency has always been great. His passing yards and his touchdowns are down. He's going to come back to this. Yeah. Um, did that answer your question, Pat? <laughs> yes, it Sorry. did. I don't think anyone. I love that voice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, uh, I'll try and work that in more. And <laughs> uh, second on the list, Matty Ice, just behind Drew Brees, put up forty point one points. And Matty Ice is a guy that I'm propping up. Um, you know, I just heard he put up forty points in Week Three. Uh, moving forward, you know, he's got a great four weeks ahead of him. He's home versus Cincinnati. That's going to be a shootout. He's at Pittsburgh. You just saw what Fitzpatrick did, put up another 400 yards. Uh, he's home versus the Bucks, and then he's home versus the Giants. That's a pretty nice four-week uh, you know, four stretch coming up for Matt Ryan. I like him a lot uh, you know, in those four weeks. Yeah. And, and if there's any likelihood of Calvin Ridley, I, I, he's not going to repeat what he did this week because this week was just crazy, and we'll mention him yeah. when we get to the wide receivers. But the fact that they have Julio on one side, Calvin Ridley on the other, Sanu and Hooper in the middle, they should be getting Devonta Freeman back, Tevin Coleman back. Matty Ice should have options all over the field. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I like this pick. I, I, you know, I love the fact that they're going to play Tampa Bay because – 
everybody scores against them. So it's going to be a fun four like weeks for, if you're a Falcons fan. Yep, That's for I sure. Like it. All right, coming in number three, Cam Newton, 29.6 points. Uh, coming in fourth, Josh Allen at 27.7 points. Seth, did you figure out, are you going to prop Josh Allen? So I'm, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to prop two people. I'm gonna oh, of course, of course. I'm going to keep my props a little bit lower. I'm going to prop up Josh Allen um, for the, the simple fact that I think when he goes to Green Bay, he's going to be good. John, I get why you would start Green Bay against him being a rookie quarterback coming off of a high game. Um, almost every team that has a really high game like that where they're the huge underdogs, they usually end up completely like running out of steam in the next game. But I think that Buffalo is I, – I think – I hope that they figured out a little bit because the way they started the season was just so god-awful – uh, and I think that his his rushing ability gives him enough of a floor that you, especially if you're in any two QB leagues, he's a guy that I would I would feel comfortable rolling out against Green Bay. If you're in a single quarterback league, I'm probably not going to roll him out as a QB one, but I think that he's a guy where he should definitely be on your roster if. If you're looking at just upside for this this upcoming weekend, well, so yeah. while you're while you're talking Josh Allen, chat a little bit about why you're propping up Mayfield. I know we talked on him a little bit, but Mayfield, uh, yeah, so see, two hundred yards, nine point eight fantasy points. He did catch um, a two point conversion. He finished his QB twenty four. Um, so not considering he only played a little over half the game. Three-ish quarters. Yeah, uh, um, it was it was like two and like five minutes or something like yeah. that. I feel like so. Can, all things considered, um, well, Seth, you talk about him. Yeah, you, you like him a lot. I'm starting. Go I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna get Mayfield. If Mayfield's not available, I might pick up Josh Allen. I think both of them are in situations where. I think Mayfield finishes better overall. I like Josh Allen, though. I think that he has some things that are going to start kind of going his way. Uh, I don't believe Kelvin Benjamin can drop as many passes as he has kind of <laughs> earlier on. Continuing throughout the season, I, I don't think that's possible. I, I think somebody will eventually put super glue on his on his gloves and make it so that he's forced to catch a ball. Um but I'm definitely going Baker Mayfield first. I think they just have better they have better options. They have a better offensive line. They're a better uh, team. Yeah. Better yeah. Team. Like and and I and I I poo-poo all over the Browns all the time. I think they are horribly coached, but even with a horrible coach, you can put up great fantasy numbers. Point point proven Aaron Rodgers. Horrible coach, fantastic fantasy numbers. Right. Yeah, wow. So a lot to I can't believe you just mentioned Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers in the same sentence. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. We're gonna yeah. leave it at that. You don't get to defend yourself. No, we're moving on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're gonna talk about Tannehill. Hurry up. QB five, Ryan Tannehill, twenty six point one points, QB six, Jared Goff, twenty five and a half. Pat Mahomes coming in at QB seven. 25.2, Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, Fitztragic, whatever you want to call it after that game. 
Depends 25.1 points. You watched. Oh, boy. Fitz that was tragic. Fitz tragic for the first two quarters yeah. and Fitz magic almost being able to bring it back because yeah. let's be honest, Pittsburgh's defense is atrocious. So real quick, yes or no, is Ryan Fitzpatrick the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Seth, yes or no? I I feel yes or no. God, yes. no, no. John, yes. I agree. He, I think he's done enough to keep the job. I uh, he should be. He should be. But yes I think or no. I, he should be. But the coaching <laughs> staff is too bad to make the right decision. Oh, fair. fair. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. No questions. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> All right. Deshaun Watson, QB nine, coming in with twenty five points. Uh, QB ten, Ben Roethlisberger. John, he, you're propping him up. Take it away. I have to prop him up because he's going to have to do magical things every week with his awesome team because they have no defense at all, like Seth said before. He has to throw 4,000 times a game. He has to have a touchdown every every quarter in order to stay in games. He's He's got the tools to do it. Um, it he's uh, he, Yeah, Ben's going to do it. Ben Ben needs to do it in order to in order for them to win games. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Yeah, I agree. His, his home uh, road splits are still a little shaky. But the fact that they ju- they just they're gonna have to throw a lot, so many weapons there too. It's it's wild. Oh boy, should be fun. They yeah. they will be in a lot of shootouts. Uh, QB eleven, Jimmy Garoppolo. What could have uh, been? R.I.P. Buddy. R.I.P. Yeah. Could have been somebody. See you uh, next year, we, San Fran. Are we gonna see C.J. Bathard in the top twelve at any point ever this season? I had to mute my microphone to throw up. <laughs> no. That's a no. Uh, and rounding out our top 12 quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, 19.9 points for the week. So we've covered guys that we're all propping up. And now on to some guys that we're dropping. I will go first. Uh, and we're going to talk Case Keenum and the Broncos. And I had such high hopes because uh, he was good in Minnesota last year. He started out this year really good. And the production has just fallen off. Uh, he only put up 5.6 points last week. Now, might see a small uptick this week because he's going up against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs' defense has been picked apart here and there. But I'm not going to let that fool me. I think there are better options out there moving forward. So I'm I'm dropping Case Keenum uh, moving forward and probably not even looking at him as a streaming option. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's t- tough, tough cut. Um, John, who are you dropping on your big board after week three? Sam Darnold. Uh, he started out the season. Everybody thought that the Jets had some kind of magic going on there, but he's kind of uh, – Lions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. They made him look like Tom Brady. But then I guess they made Tom Brady look like Sam Darnold. So uh, what are you going to do about it? I'm so confused living uh, in yeah. Detroit. Yeah. So that's I, not much to say about that. I just think Sam Darnold hit a, you know, these coaches get a get. It's all it needs a game of tape on somebody, and they kind of make adjustments. And Darnold just doesn't have the same. He's not Darnold's my guy. I'm, I'm dropping down. Yeah. And I, Seth, how about you? I think if you're doing dynasty, just real quick for Darnold, like I think if you're doing dynasty, he's still gonna be good because he's like a baby still. But in redraft for this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, John. There's probably not too many great days left for him. Uh, and then the guy that I'm dropping down is Kirk Cousins. Um, 
it it seems knee jerky to say that after he, they basically just got shut out by the Bills, but he also has not really looked that good, um, like over the past couple of weeks, and he's kind of he's gone down over the past couple of weeks in what he's been able to do. Uh, I think that he has a really tough game coming up against the Rams. And even though we've been joking about the fact that they've probably been planning for that since week two, I I think a Thursday night game against the Rams, they're going to get punched in the face again. And it's not going to be pretty. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not feeling Kirk Cousins for this week. I, I, I haven't, yeah, I mean, he makes a lot of really good throws when he's, you know, when he has a game strip game script that's going in his way when defenses are not kind of at the level that the Rams are or I'm going to guess how the Bills were this week, but uh like I just I see him I see him facing some real challenges against that Rams defense. So uh, as uh, as you were I'm trying to pull up the Rams injuries cuz I'm pretty sure I read that both Marcus Peters and Aguib Talib are out for at least yes. this week, if not longer. So, how does that? Yes, they're both they're both sidelined. Uh, Talib with an ankle injury, Peters with a calf injury. They're both quote unquote week to week. If they, one or both of them don't play, I'm going to have to disagree with you there, and I'm firing up all the all the Vikings I can because I think they'll torch that Rams secondary. And yeah. you might yeah, end up right. like uh, everybody that fired up the Vikings uh, players this past week and True. Got, True. got burned <laughs> real, real bad. Yeah, but yeah. it burned me good. I mean, at, at this point, I, I don't think I have a winning record in any of my leagues, so I, I'm going for broke here. Yeah, you know, I, I'm all about high, give me the highest ceiling possible. I, I'm not about playing <laughs> for the safe floor. Um, all right, I think that covers props and drops for quarterbacks. Moving over to the running backs. Oh, look who's at the top of the list again. Alvin Kamara. Surprise, surprise. Wow. I, I feel like every uh, every recap, we ha- we have had a New Orleans Saints, either the top quarterback, the top running back, or the top wide receiver. I think and it's been every week. And in this case, we got both. Yeah, both. Yeah. Kamara, 34 points, caught a ton of balls. Moving, He is what he is. He's great. Moving on. Uh, number two, Todd Gurley, 24.6 points, doing what Todd Gurley does. He's great. He does what he does. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> uh, this one might be a bit of a surprise. we got Carlos Hyde coming in at RB3 this week, 24.3 points. John, or I'm sorry, Seth, you're propping yeah, up Carlos this, Hyde. Take this is my guy. Uh, Carlos Hyde has been owning the touches in Cleveland, and they're getting a quarterback that can now take pressure off of uh, the running game a lot more. I think Tyrod, <clears throat> yes, he's a running quarterback. Yes, running quarterbacks help running backs. But that's when they're running like the the option plays and the gimmicky plays and stuff like that. That's when, that's when they get the most kind of help. I think with Baker, you've got a guy that can – that can lift defenses a little bit more, create a little bit more space. And like I said, the fact that Carlos Hyde is legitimately running that backfield, he's he has not had less than 50% of the snaps in any of the three games. Uh, a lot of people were talking up Nick Chubb as being able to come in and, oh, Hyde sucks and he's just going to get thrown out. 
Chubb has not had more than 6% of the snaps through three weeks. Now, could there be a change coming? Maybe. But if Carlos Hyde keeps playing the way that he's been playing, he has a touchdown every single week so far this season. And two in just this past week, that's part of the reason why he's up so high in the running back rankings right now. He's going to he's going to be able to produce. Now, is there going to be a lull coming up at some point? Yes. There's going to be a game that he does not get his touchdown, and hopefully that's not the same week where he only gets, what was it, 40 or 50 yards. But he's had 20 attempts. I think it was, what, 16, 17, 18 attempts, something like that, and another 20 attempts. They're giving him the ball, and those touches are going to become better with Baker. I feel like I need, I feel like I need that as my, my new team name, better, better with Baker. With, volume is key, and Hyde is on the receiving end of a lot of touches. Yep. No argument there. Yep. Uh, Adrian Peterson, old man Peterson, coming in at 24 <laughs> points. Is our RB4. Uh, this one was surprised me. I, I didn't see this coming for Adrian Peterson. Neither did I. I thought it was going to be. I, yeah. Disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think going back to one of our pods before the season started, I think you and I both said the same thing. This could be a bad look for AP, but he has proved a lot of people wrong. Chris Thompson could, really couldn't uh, get nothing this week. So AP got the ball stuck in his belly a thousand times, and he worked with it. Did what he needed to do. Uh, against that Green Bay defense. Maybe this is the oh, week boy. that Marcus Murphy, Murphy takes off. Here, we, here we go with Marcus Murphy. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or or maybe right. it's that week where Chris Ivory does it. Who it's knows? probably Chris Ivory just to spite yeah. you. All right. Saquon Barkley coming in, RB5, 22.7. McCaffrey, 21.4 is your RB6. What a day for McCaffrey. 184 yards on the ground on 28 carries. They are living up to the hype or to the, I guess, the speculation. They are just feeding him the ball. He has gotten 16, 22, and 30 touches uh, every, you know, move from week one to week three. They're going to keep feeding him the ball. The only downside, I think, I know Cam Newton sniped at least one touchdown, so he needs he needs the touchdowns. That's my only knock. If you're getting 30 touches a week, I mean, you, you got to keep rolling. You got to roll the dice every week on that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. What's interesting, though, is he had only two targets this game, yeah. whereas last week he had, what was it, six, 15 or 16? Uh, 15, 15 four, targets four, the week before, yeah. It was 15 targets and four, 15 targets, 14 yeah. receptions. Like, yeah. it's, it's weird that literally it's one week, it's we're going to pass the yeah. ball to you the whole time, and then next week it's, no, here we're going to actually put the, ball, put the ball in your hands rather Which is than throwing it. Which is surprising because, you know, myself included, I thought that was what C.J. Anderson was for. But they're committed to giving McCaffrey the ball again. Uh, no touchdowns this year has not found the end zone yet. I think didn't didn't C.J. C.J. also uh, poach a touchdown from him too. He did. I think he did also. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as those touchdowns start coming, he's gonna fly. <laughs> Watch out. Fly. All right. So. Yeah. He needs to find the end zone. He, him and Julio. But that's a, we'll get into that later. <laughs> Chris Carson, RB7, 20.4 points. And, Seth, you're actually dropping talk, talk Chris about, Carson. Talk about surprising. 32 touches. 30, uh, sorry, 32 attempts and another two uh, targets and two receptions. 
I, I just don't believe it. Uh, unfortunately, I think that the Seattle-Dallas game was just an ugly, ugly game. And I, I'm not buying that Chris Carson is the running back in Seattle. Uh, I, Yes, the 32 attempts should tell me otherwise, but I do not believe – I don't believe what's going on in Seattle right now. Uh, I think Dallas is – and it pains me to say it as a Cowboys fan, but I, this, the Dallas game and the Dallas game plan and the way that the, the really the offense is running is just so bad that why wouldn't you just hand the ball off? And if Chris Carson was doing – you know, all right with it. I mean, he, he only had 3.2 yards per, per attempt. Like the, he didn't have a very good, efficient. Not very efficient yeah, exactly. So you know, looking he, at it, he got volume and yeah. well, again, that could play to Dallas having a pretty poor run defense. Cause week one, Denver, really good run defense, seven carries week two, Chicago, really good run defense, six carries. So week four, they're going up against the Cardinals. They're at Arizona. I expect Seattle to uh, be leading most of that game, so they could turn around and feed Carson again. This could be a you know he could be a weekly play depending on Seattle's up against. If if it's a stout run defense, you might see six or seven carries. If it's a Dallas Arizona a weaker run defense, they might give him the ball thirty times. Yeah, I. I, the only thing I think about that is that the Cowboys Seattle game kind of stayed like relatively. Uh, I feel like there was still a little bit of a chance there, whereas like the Arizona Seattle game, I don't. You know, Seattle is just so weird right now. I really can't tell. Like I want to say that Arizona is just so bad, and even though Seattle's bad, they're like better than them where like that game could run away a little bit more quickly, but I don't, I, I just, I, yeah. I, I have no faith in Carson. That's, that's what it is. I have no yeah. faith in him, and especially with Rashad Penny in there. Um, and, and Russell Wilson doing what Russell Wilson does. I mean, yeah. Chris Carson got like the first rushing touchdown in what, like 19, 18 weeks, something crazy like that. So, again, he, they're dependent, I think, on game flow and game script um, for Chris Carson. Yeah. So, let's see. Looks like we lost John. So, I don't know if we're going to have John for uh, the remainder of the podcast, but Seth and I will power through. Uh, all right. RB8 was Gio Bernard at 19.6, RB9. Wendell Smallwood, 18.1. No, you, uh, skip, you skipped Crowell. Crowell skip, well, Crowell was RB9 at 19.1. Yeah. Smallwood, RB10, 18.1. Buck Allen, RB11, 17.6. And Marshawn Lynch actually tied uh, Buck Allen at 17.6. So that rounds out your top 12. Uh, we're going to talk about two guys that weren't on that list that I'm propping and dropping and the first one is uh melvin gordon i'm i'm propping him up um because he put up 16.4 points um which was actually good enough for i, th- I believe it was rb 14 so he wasn't too far out of that uh top 12 and he did it with 80 yards rushing and a score against the rams defense pretty good numbers against a stout defense uh, he's got a favorable schedule moving forward, so I like him to return back to 
what we saw in weeks one and weeks two with the 20 plus point performances. And Gordon and, was actually tied at 13 with yeah. Hunt and Alex Collins, all three of them with 16.4, right behind Buck Allen and Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. So, so the, right, right, the, right on the edge there. But I, I like Gordon. I mean, he's he's a monster. He he is a he's a volume monster. Um, and the guy that I'm dropping, and it pains me because I was so high on him at the start of the season, probably would have made him my number one overall pick would have been David Johnson. Um, and yeah, that's painful. It, you know, he had, he had a good, he had a good week. He put up 16.1 points, you know, RB six tied for RB 16. Um, but that Arizona offense is just, they don't know how to use him. He's been an RB 14. He's been an RB 44. He's been an RB 16. There's, there's so many questions about now you got Rosen under center, which don't get me wrong. I like Josh Rosen. I just don't like him for David Johnson. They've got a tough schedule coming up, and it just, you know, I just, I feel that they're just not using him right. And until that usage turns into opportunity and that opportunity turns into points, I'm not going to say I'm going to bench him, but I'm dropping him down my big board. Yeah, and, I, and, and that's exactly where I was just going to go with this is – David Johnson's in a spot where you're going to fight to bench him because it's David Johnson and you, you're going to want to start him on a weekly basis. Like he's going up against Seattle this week and they don't have a great defense and you should want to start David Johnson against them. But that whole Arizona offense is just so bad that there's guys that, like you're really going to have to question do do you go hard and strong with start your studs or are you going to go play the match matchups and start like a you know start like an Alex Collins over him i mean Alex Alex Collins scored better than David Johnson i want to say what maybe maybe two out of three weeks at, at least this past week so maybe not two but it's I mean, a, it's tough for a guy that is so talented. It's just being so misused, and so and that you picked in the first at least four. He was the top four five picks. So exactly, yeah, tough cut. Keep an eye on him though. I mean, he as soon as it pops, he will be an RB one moving forward, and we're not having this conversation. But yeah. until then, keep an eye on him. All right, moving on to wide receivers. What a week! And what a list we have here for wide receivers. Oh, my goodness. Top of the list, the rookie out of Atlanta, Calvin Ridley, 40.5 points. Already scored more touchdowns this year than Julio Jones has scored in the last 18 games. I'm sorry, the same number of touchdowns for what it's worth. I can see you, Seth. you got that crazy look in your eye. Like, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Not about the touchdowns. Calvin Ridley scored three. But – He's not better than Julio Jones. Let's just stop that discussion right then and there. No, I'm not about to defend that at all. I'm, I'm about. I'm going to defend the Julio Jones gets drafted too high. For, <laughs> don't let for, uh, for my blood because it's. Don't it, let Mark. Don't let Mark hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Mark loves him, but Ridley Ridley was the number one overall wide receiver this week, followed by Robert Woods at 33.7 points. Old man Jordy Nelson. And the resurgence in Oakland at 29.3 points. 
What a week for Jordy, but what happened to Amari Cooper? Where has he been and what is going on? Yeah, I feel like Gruden has like one of those like spinners uh, <laughs> and like each week he's like, and the winner is tick, 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 Jared Cook. All right, week one. Yeah. Let's give him the ball. Week two. All right, it's Amari Cooper. You get the ball. Oh, week three, Jordy Nelson. All right, you get the ball. I mean, honestly, I think it was Xavier Howard was lined up over top of Amari Cooper for a lot of the game. Wasn't that? Wasn't that the the yeah on top of him? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's more of what it was. Is that Amari Cooper was just facing one of the premier cornerbacks, and as much as Everybody wants to have Amari Cooper be a, you know, an, an Antonio Brown receiver that can beat anybody. I, he, I just, he just hasn't proven that. Yeah. He gets shut down against certain cornerbacks. And, yeah, there's weeks that he has where he goes off crazy. Like Jordy Nelson went off crazy this week. Yeah. I think Jordy Nelson was the, the benefactor of – all the attention was on Cook and on Cooper, and he was just out there like, hey, guys, I uh, pulled my walker up over to the sideline here. Hit me. Yeah. Good luck Good luck figuring out who to start in Oakland every week. So that, That's where you, you got to just get the same spinner that John has, that yeah, Gruden right. has, and see if you, <laughs> see if you <laughs> hit it when he hits it. Right. Oh, boy. Wide receiver four. 25.7 points, Tyler Boyd out of Cincinnati. He is actually a guy that I am propping up uh, after this week three performance. He's had back-to-back 20-plus point games. A.J. Green is questionable slash likely to play. Um, I think things are looking good for Boyd moving forward. I like what I've seen so far, and he is uh, he's a real threat in that Cincinnati offense. Yeah, I I agree with this. I agree with propping him up. I'm just I'm nervous about how far people are going to prop him up yeah. because he was basically a wide receiver four ish somewhere in that range. Um, and I think people yeah. see him getting a wide receiver one stat line and thinking that AJ Green's going to be out and are ready to like throw him in as like a wide receiver two or something crazy like that. And I I, I don't think that's I don't think that's achievable for him on a week in week out basis. Uh, I think he's a benefactor of Andy Dalton. Looks good. Andy Dalton looks like he did. What was it? I think it was 2015 when Andy Dalton had his one really big year. Uh, and that that whole Cincinnati team actually they look pretty good. So I'm a fan of Tyler Board. Tyler Boyd. Uh, I'm just not like I, I will flex him. Uh, maybe a wide receiver three, depending on my team makeup, but I'm not expecting much more out of him than that. If he if he gives me top four numbers, hooray! But I'm not I'm not ready to say I'm going to put him all the way up there. Yeah, there are a lot of big names coming up on the list here. A lot of names everybody knows, and I I don't really see. Uh, obviously, I don't think Tyler Boyd is wide receiver four every week, but I like the the week four matchup, and it gives him a good chance to have three really solid weeks in a row to uh, put himself in that wide receiver, depending on the makeup of your starting lineup, your wide receiver two, wide receiver three flex position every week. Um, 
So, like I said, some big names. So, wide receiver five was Mike Evans, 25.7. Wide receiver six, Adam Thielen, 24.5. Wide receiver seven, Mike Williams, 24.1. And wide receiver eight was Michael Thomas coming in at 22.9. I'm going to pause right here. Uh, we'll finish out the rest of this list. And actually, Seth and I, we're, we're going to talk about the Miami receivers um, in both propping and dropping. So, let's round this out real quick. Uh, wide receiver 9, Albert Wilson, 21-4. Wide receiver 10, Will Fuller, 21-1. Jaquim Grant, 21 points even. And Juju Smith-Schuster finished out our top 12 with 20.6 points. Now, Seth, you go first because you're talking about propping up Devontae Parker. Yeah. But you're also, you're also talking about dropping albert wilson and i'm talking about dropping all the miami receivers so we gotta this is the part we needed john for because we're yeah. talking about his dolphins it's probably actually better that he doesn't hear this but tell yeah. me why you're propping up Devonte parker I, I feel like this is one of those moments where you can only express it by quoting a movie and it's i can't quit you jeez. <laughs> um, oh, like I, it's oh, one boy. of those things where i just he has literally everything going in his favor. He's finally back on the field. He got a couple good reps in. Uh, he looked decent out there. I'm, I'm excited to see him come back full steam. I'm excited to see him be able to live up to the hype that he actually had. And I don't think Albert Wilson is one of those guys that is going to – he's not going to outshine – Parker on a consistent basis like he did it here but I think that was I think that was more attributed to kind of Albert Wilson being you know right place right time he had you know he had two receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown mm -hmm. his longest reception was 74 yards right and that's yeah I, I think you and I were, were both you know in agreement dropping Wilson and probably Joaquin Grant but I'm actually dropping Kenny Stills as well. Um, you know, all three of those guys came in the top 30. If you're looking at targets, catches, everything is pretty evenly distributed amongst all the wide receivers, not only for that week, but for the season. Jaheim Grant has 14 targets. Stills has 13. Wilson has 11. Stills has three touchdowns. Wilson has two. Grant has, I mean, there's just so much parity amongst those Dolphins receivers. And, Truth be told, I'm not that sold on Ryan Tannehill either. So with everything pretty much equal through three weeks, it's a toss-up to start. Who you're going to roster, who you're going to start. I'm avoiding all of them, including Devontae Parker, moving yeah. forward until one of them establishes themselves as the clear-cut favorite um, moving and, forward. And that's the only reason I'm saying prop up Parker now. Yeah. Get Parker now because I my my thought process is that Parker is going to separate himself. Parker is going to live up to some of that um, that hype that he's he's had his like his entire career. He's been hyped up as this guy that's going to be amazing. I think he separates himself as this year goes on, and I think he becomes the guy in Miami. I think I think the injuries have just kind of killed him. Hopefully, he's missed his quota yeah. uh, of games this year, so now he'll be healthy for the rest of them. And 
you know, it's it's a speculative prop, but that's I, I think that's why we do it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to pay yeah. off, um, and 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 you know, in dividends for you. So yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, and you know, it again, Miami, a lot of weapons. Just they got Tannehill throwing the ball. And that's my that's my my knock on the Dolphins. Poor John missed out on a great Dolphins conversation. Yeah, we oh, actually man. we actually took it pretty gentle too. Yeah. So, we'll we'll uh, just have to say Dolphins suck. Okay. Yeah, there you go, John. <laughs> All right, so moving over to tight ends. Uh, no surprise, another Pittsburgh Steeler is at the top as uh, the top tight end this week. This time it was Vance McDonald. So all the people that went out, myself included, spent your money on Jesse James. Horribly, horribly, horribly disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Vance McDonald put up 21.2 points, was the tight end one. Um, this one – oh, sorry, go ahead, Seth. No, I was, I was just going to jump in because I'm, um, I'm actually dropping both of the Pittsburgh tight ends That's because right. – they my mistake. They, yeah, they don't really run a lot of two tight end sets like the other, um, like the other teams that we'll talk about right after this. Right now, yeah. But like they don't run the two tight end sets as much, and it's pretty much one of them is going to do something because they're just passing the ball that much. And I think you're just you're literally just flipping a coin. And yes, if you need a if you need a real strong flex play that and not even a flex play, if literally you have a lot of consistency and you you know you're gonna get decent points, but you want a home run shot out of your tight end, yeah, good luck guessing which one of the Pittsburgh tight ends it's gonna be that week because one of them will put up you know fifteen to twenty points and one of them will put up you know next to next to nothing. Right. So, like, I'd rather just not play that game um, yeah. most of the time if if I can avoid it. So that, that it's it's dropping them not necessarily because of really anything with them. It's more so the that Pittsburgh system. system. Yeah, and that transitions perfectly into our our tight end two, Dallas Goddard out of the Eagles. Yeah, what a showing for the rookie! And I'm actually propping up, and this is kind of cheating because I'm propping up um, both Philly tight ends because I'm propping up Zach Ertz as well, who was our tight end ten with twelve point three points. Um, Goddard seven catches, seventy three yards, and a score. Ertz five catches, seventy three yards. Carson Wentz was back. He targeted his tight ends twenty one times on Sunday. They love the. I'm I'm actually gonna say I don't think he's a hundred percent back only because of that. I don't think that they have all the other parts around him to be a hundred percent back, but he's back enough to be able to hit those tight ends. So uh, I'm all in favor. Yeah, Zach Ertz is a locked in every week starter at the tight end position. Goddard yeah. after this week um, with Carson Wentz back and again twenty one targets to the tight ends. Yeah. Goddard is entering streaming status. If you're looking at a guy, we'll look at Vance McDonald and Jesse James against Dallas Goddard. Give me Dallas Goddard because Philly shows they love the two tight end set. Yeah, and and that's that's exactly where I was going with that. Dallas Goddard is creeping into that streaming kind of category because I think Dallas Goddard is going to have those games where he's he's either going to get you know five points or less, or he's going to get 15 points or more. And you're not going to get a whole lot of in between those things. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I like the pick, especially because of the way that they, they just do things in Philly running a lot of two tight ends, 
my only thought is maybe later on in the season when Alshon Jeffrey finally gets healthy, do do they adjust that two tight end set any? And I mean that's obviously a hurdle that can be jumped yeah. when you get to it, but something yeah. to think about long longer long term. Agreed. Uh, no surprise here. Travis Kelsey, tight end three, nineteen point four. Kyle Rudolph coming in at number four with fifteen point eight points. George Kittle coming in at tight end five with fourteen point nine. Yeah, Tyler, I'm, I'm going to pause you right there just real quick because I, I'm not going to cheat this right. time. I'm not going to cheat this <laughs> time and and go with two guys, even though I want to. I'm only going to pick one. So when you cheated and did the two Philly guys, I get it. I cheat yeah. all the time. But I, I, I'm <laughs> it's too gonna, easy with the Eagles tight ends, though. Yeah, I'm going to prop up Kittle um, because I think that with Beathard coming in, he is the benefactor. Uh, I think the running backs get it. I think they get a boost, too. I think it hurts basically the entire San Fran offense. But, I mean, Kittle has shown that he's a versatile pass-catching option, and – by being that, he will he'll be the prop for CJ Bathard. And I think that that puts him in a position where he was getting targets. And I think he might actually see a boost in targets as as Bathard kind of plays more and gets you know gets a little bit accustomed to what they're doing this year. But uh, I'm I'm not not super thrilled because I I don't think San Fran's going to do a ton, but I yeah. think he's going to get, I mean, he got, he got seven targets last week. I could see that kind of being the, uh, the everyday average for him. That's it. Seven targets could and should be his floor in uh, that offense now without Jimmy Garoppolo. Definitely. Yep. Uh, Tyler Eifert makes an appearance. Tyler Eifert was our tight end six with 13.4 points. A couple of Buccaneers. Here you got OJ Howard at tight end seven, uh, Cameron Braid at tight end nine. Uh, in between those two, you got Rhett Ellison of the Giants, twelve point nine points coming into tight end eight. We talked Zach Ertz already. Another New Orleans Saints make an appearance. Surprise, surprise. Ben Watson tight end eleven with twelve points, and Ricky Seals Jones making an appearance as our tight end twelve with ten and a half points. That does it for the guys that we are propping and dropping after week three. Drop us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Do you agree, disagree? Uh, do you like some of the stuff we talked about? Do you hate it? Let us know. We're here We're here for you, so uh, feedback is appreciated. So looking ahead now to week four, we have a couple teams on a bye uh, we have Carolina and Washington on a bye this week. Uh, so we won't be talking about them, but Seth, talk about, let's go through. You've got one game circled that you were really looking forward to. Uh, let us know what it is and why. Yeah, I, I was going back and forth, and uh, I kind of hate it, but I'm going with another Thursday night game. And I'm going Minnesota versus uh, L.A. I'm going Vikings-Rams and Part of it is I I really want to see how do the Vikings respond to just I would say punched in the face, but I think that's an understatement. They got punched, <laughs> kicked. I think Bruce Lee hit him with a nunchuck. Like that, it was just bad. Yeah, they took um, a beating. And the I think I think they I think they rebound 
but they're also going against one of the better defenses. I, yeah, they, there's a couple injuries that might slow down the Rams' defense a little bit, but um, it's a Thursday night game. They're typically low scoring. They're typically more full of defense. Both Minnesota and the Rams have strong defenses, but I feel like the Rams have an, their offense is a little bit more solid than Minnesota's. And I feel that, uh, you know, Minnesota, they, sh- they should be. If they're not asking questions, they should be asking questions, uh, especially about how they, how they just walked out of that game against Buffalo. So Thursday night, it's the worst possible scenario for the Vikings because they just got embarrassed by the Bills last week. Yeah. Now they're coming off a short week. They have to play one of the best teams in the NFC. They could very well get punched in the mouth again. Yeah. Now you're looking at a, a Vikings team that was penciled into pretty much the NFC Championship game, losing two in a row. Now they're they're back down to earth. They're two and two. Like there are a lot of questions and a lot of statements that could be made um, for the Vikings, both good and bad, this week. So, yeah, yeah, and 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 there's a lot of fantasy players going in this game. You yes. drafted Thielen in what the second or third. You drafted Diggs in the second or third. You drafted Gurley top overall. You drafted Cook somewhere. Uh, in the in, you know in the what the top five rounds, uh, Robert Woods you have on your team, Cooper Cup you definitely have on your team, Cousins, Kyle Rudolph, you all, all these guys are like these guys are all on your roster. Yeah, the, this team this game is just filled with fantasy players, uh, and, and fantasy players that that are matter. weighted pretty pretty heavily. <laughs> yeah, they matter. Yeah. So. This- I, I, I'm excited to see where where this game goes. So you've got me excited for this now that you start talking about all the, the fantasy implications here. And just looking down at the, the, the rest of the games, I don't really see another game that has that kind of fantasy impact. Maybe, maybe New Orleans and the Giants, but that's about it. And Kansas City, Denver, those are the other two where you have a lot of fantasy implications. Um, and I'm actually not going to talk about any of those games. As great as they probably will be, I'm going out to Oakland. I want to see Cleveland at Oakland. You give the kid a week to prep and practice and run with the ones. You give him a week to game plan. I want to see what Mayfield can do. I think it's his coming out party. I think he's going to shred that Raiders defense. And I think this is the start of something good for Cleveland. And, and you know what's really interesting, and I know I, I know Pat, you're not a, a big better, but – uh, the line for this game uh, is only two and a half to Oakland. Yeah, that's a, they're they're at home. They're at home. That's usually the if it's a close game, you usually yep. see the line. It's a, usually a, a, a you know the home team minus three. That's yep. pretty standard. So if if the line is below that three points that they're giving up, it it means something. It it means something that like there's there's some question marks there that that. Cleveland might have something yeah. here, or or it might be one of those things that there's just so many people that are like Cleveland is amazing now, yeah, and they're putting I, their money on Cleveland and Vegas is just trying to you know make it make it seem like that. But I, uh, I, I would have to imagine the people that bet and the people that in the know, and I'm not one of those people at all. Um, but that I I would be curious to see how that line moves 
because it's going to move. There will be money placed, a lot of money placed on that game now that Baker Mayfield's the starter. That one will be fun to watch. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm excited for Baker Mayfield. Um, I want to see what he can do now that they've uh, given him, you know, time to practice and run with the ones and a full game plan, and you know, everything is revolving around Baker Mayfield now. So now, now here's the here's the big question: Was Baker Mayfield part of John Gruden's quarterback camp that he he would do on uh, ESPN and everything. I'm, I'm sure he was, and I'm so, sure they said Spider 2, Y Banana 500 times. <laughs> I'm so, so sick of hearing so, that. So John Gruden has the uh, the inside scoop oh, on yeah, what's going yeah. on in, in I'm sure he does his mind. So uh, I, I'm sure that the 10 years that John Gruden spent behind a booth have really prepared him to make his return back to the NFL. God, Oakland looks terrible. <laughs> Sorry, was that out loud? <laughs> yeah. No, that's all right. I, I think that, that that needed to be said because I think yeah. a lot of us are feeling it. Yeah, but, I, yeah. So that does it for us in the week three recap. Uh, we lost John, so he won't be signing off with us. But let us know what you think. Please like, rate, review the pod. We're on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. Uh, I always forget a couple. We're on all every major podcast channel so and and all of those you can go on and leave a review or leave a comment and you know we'll do our best to to get back to you and respond so yeah absolutely so follow me follow me on twitter i'm at dynasty underscore pat seth where are you on twitter again tell the people i am at ff at home dad the at home dad peace out my homies good luck everybody this week and we'll see uh We'll see you uh, next Tuesday for the week four recap. Oh, yeah. Later, everybody.